Okay, I need you to be ambidextrous today. You need to stick your finger in Colossians chapter 2 and 1 John chapter 2. We have been looking at a series that I entitled For Christians Only, and it deals with what God has done and what we do. And it is a life of grace. We sing Amazing Grace. uh, And I am convinced that in this day, in this age, um, many in Christendom have no idea how amazing that grace really is. And... uh, my prayer has been once I stepped into this, since we've taken a break in 1 Corinthians, is that we would understand what God has already done. And in light of that, how does it affect me? So um, I'm going to open us with prayer, and then we're going to jump back and forth between Colossians and 1 John. Father, we come to you to hear from you. Your word sanctifies. And Father, that is our, that is our goal. That is our We're begging you now. Present us holy. Father, may it be in such a magnitude that all who would ever come in contact with us would understand that there's something completely different between us and everybody else. Father, may we embrace you for what you have done. And Father, may we just long as our brother Paul led as an example have the mind of Christ, the life of Christ, the attitude of Christ, the action of Christ. And that, Father, that we would decrease and you would increase. And I praise you for this time. In Christ's name, amen. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at some stuff um, from the Word of God on uh, a word that has always fascinated me, the word delivered. Um, as Christians... We have been delivered, and one of the things we've been delivered from is that we have been delivered from darkness to light. We have been delivered from the lie to truth. That was Colossians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. This is what God has done. Therefore, a true child of God should be hungering and thirsting for truth should be a primary focus of them. Why? We looked in 2 Corinthians that we are here to tear down, to shatter ideologies, anti-God thinking. And that's what we're here about, is to tear these down. And the only way that you can tear down the lies is with truth. The only way you can do it is by the might of God. And the only way you know what the might of God is, is through the Word of God. What is He doing? You know, my faith is not a blind faith. My faith is based on what God has already shown me. And therefore, being delivered from the lie, I now understand truth. I am aware of that truth. I embrace that truth. I long for that truth. I pursue that truth. That truth overwhelms me. And when I read that letter from Oldford Ministries, it says that less than 10% of evangelicals have a biblical worldview. You know what you just said? Then what is the other option? What is the other option? Please. If you either have a biblical worldview or you have a 
You either look at the world in the basis of the lie or you look at the world in the basis of truth. All right. Not only have I been delivered from the lie into truth, I have also been delivered from sin unto righteousness. Romans chapter 6, verse 17. What has God done? Literally, he has delivered you from the dominion. Dominion, 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 dominion. You know what that means, right? The rule of sin. Sin does not have authority over me. We discussed that briefly this morning in our Sunday school class. When when Adam ate of the fruit, he said, The throne that has been given to me, the rule, the dominion that has been given to me by God, I now willingly give to you, Satan. And everyone who's been born of man and woman ever since has been under whose dominion? So, I have been delivered from the lie to truth. I have now been delivered from sin to righteousness. So, if I've been delivered from sin to righteousness, what am I to do? Stop presenting your bodies as instruments of immorality. Stay away from it. Flee from it. I love that. It's, it's, just, it's just amazing. It's simple. Okay? But last week, we stepped into a text... And I wanted to show you something else that you have been delivered from. You have been delivered from the temporal to the eternal. The temporal to the eternal. Please understand something about the word deliver. You're not being delivered. You're not in the cargo truck. Okay? You already have. Already have. And I shared with you last week, Colossians 2, if you would turn there, we'll kind of do this in a review mode. Colossians 2.20 says this, if you have died with Christ, you know what that implies? There's a contrast that goes on in chapter 2 of Colossians, lost and saved. And lost people have not died to Christ. Okay? But he says, if you have been, meaning that now you are no longer lost, You are now saved. If you have died to Christ, then you have died to the elementary teachings of the world. You take the greatest philosophers, the greatest minds that the world has ever produced, and those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, a Christian, an average, infinite Christ, is smarter than that person. I understand origins and I understand the outcome and the conclusion of the ages. The smartest minds in the world do not understand that. Okay, the greatest minds that exist on the world have a flawed foundation which everything they work off of is skewed. Everything they work off of is skewed. Okay, you've got to understand that. All right. I don't care whether it's carbon dating. I don't care if it's global warming. I don't care what it is. All of that science is coming off of a crooked foundation. If it's off, listen, I have been in construction. Okay. And if you build a house and you miss by one inch on the foundation where the floor is, as I get taller and taller on that house, which would mean walls, that inch grows. To the height of you go up. If I start out at an inch wrong wrong, and I have three stories, you're a foot and a half out when you get to the third floor. Okay? Which means I can see it. Duh. Wait till the wind comes. All right? 
If that's true, you take science, what man believes is absolutely solid. If it starts off on a wrong foundation, what happens? It will grow exponentially crooked. Please understand that. I mean, I'm hearing this great debate on intelligent design. Give me a break. What is that? Political correctness that God created? I, 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 I just don't get it. And then I watch people. I heard a guy one time say, I am so thankful for God and his natural selection. That's evolution. You're thanking God for evolution. Listen, I taught Genesis a few years ago on Sunday nights. Well, actually, I taught Genesis 1 and 2. <clears throat> okay? And so I decided for my own work, what I would do is I would just go through and get a rough number on how old is the earth based on the Bible. And I'll be honest with you, when I got done with my number, I was depressed. I was wanting 20,000, maybe 30,000 years, I found myself. The best I could come up with was 5,800. Not 5,800 billion years. 5,800 years is all I could find, biblically. Now listen, think about that for a second. Watch any TV show today and how old is the earth? Billions and hundreds of billions and trillions and millions and all the rest of it. And they state it like it is fact. And you know what? Creation is nothing but a theory. The Vatican came out and said, you know what? There is no room for intelligent design in the science field. That's what the Vatican said. Create. Creation is not a science. It is a faith. Let me tell you something. Evolution is a faith. Okay? Evolution is a, is a scarier faith than Christianity. Okay? Because in evolution, chance becomes a force. Chance ain't a force. Las Vegas was built on chance. It's mathematical probabilities. Okay? It's, it's not a force. It's mathematical probabilities. But it has all of a sudden become a chance, a force. It's a power. And he says here that if you are saved, if you have died to Christ, you've died to the elementary principles of the world. Why, as if you are living in the world, do you submit yourself to the decrees such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? That's what Paul's argument to the Colossians were. We are dead to the world. It's dead to us. It doesn't mean anything to us. The ideologies, the systems, which takes me now, if you'll go over with your other hand. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 is where I want to start. Okay, 15. You know what I find fascinating about 1 John? If, you're, if you ever take Greek, biblical Greek, um, you know what book you'll study? 1 John. You know why? 
It's the simplest Greek of the New Testament. It's not a complex language. First John is one of the simplest books that exist in the New Testament in the original language. Okay? And yet Christendom has taken this book and just twisted it beyond... It's just amazing some of the stuff that I hear people try to drag out of this text or assert that is not there. First John deals with, are you saved? <laughs> I mean, that's basically what he's saying. If you're saved, here it is. 15, do not love the world or the things of the world. Well, the Greek part, listen, it's a simplistic text. If you translate it, it says, do not love the world or the things of the world. Okay, the world there that you see is cosmos. That's where we get cosmos from. I find this fascinating. This book was, this letter was written around 90 AD. And he understood that the cosmos was very organized. The opposite of the word cosmos, cosmos, you know it. Chaos. Okay, this is... You have the opposite of cosmos, cosmos is chaos. What is chaos? It's my house on Sunday morning before church. (laughs) Isn't it? Yeah. It has to do with disorderly. It's very disordered. Okay? So you see this. So cosmos means to order something. To put it in order. To place it in order. I find that amazing when you think about space and they call it the cosmos. Why? It is very extraordinarily orderly. Okay? Here's another word that I just stumbled into, and I just wanted to share this with you. Okay? Because I just kind of look, how do, we, how do these words morph and manifest themselves? Another word that cosmos is used for, is translated, that you all know, is cosmetics. It takes chaos and puts it in order. (laughs) I didn't invent the word. I'm just telling you how they use it. Okay? So cosmos is to put something in order. Okay? Now, grab what the text says. Do not love the order or the things of this order. Okay, now we look at our life today, we look at uh, CNN and Fox News and all the rest of it, and we say, it seems chaotic, doesn't it? Do you understand something? That it has an order? It has a plan? Everything you see going on in your society right now has an order, has a plan, has a purpose. Did you hear what I said? And do you know who's running that order, that plan, and that purpose? Is anybody afraid to say it? It's that devil dude. We looked last week that it is an evil system. It is an evil age, an aeon, an aeon. It is a system. It is a system that exalts its ideas. It exalts its theories. It exalts itself. It exalts its viewpoints. It exalts its values. It exalts its honors. It exalts its treasures. It exalts its pleasures. And it pushes them out in the forefront as a mandate 
as an it, it, it entices, it appeals, it is there, it is always there, this system, this order, and it is all designed by Satan. Verse 15 says, do not love this. Do not love this. I want you to look at the other part of it. Do not love the things of this system. Okay? How important is this? I mean, I'm in the world. I'm kind of cruising around in the world, you know, passing through and all the rest of it. Would you read the rest of the verse? Okay, now listen, this is simplistic Greek here. This is not a complicated text. It says, if anyone loves this order, the love of the Father is not in him. Okay, what's the wiggle room in there? Is that text that difficult to see? When I tell you from this pulpit, I know by looking at somebody if they're saved or not. Do you see that it isn't because I'm such a rocket scientist? It isn't because, well, Terry, he just sits around and reads his Bible all the time. He just knows all kinds of stuff. It's verse 15. Do not love this world or the things of this world. And if anyone loves this world, the love of the Father is not in him. If you are more obsessed, if you have a greater exaltation of this world, the things of this world, the ideologies of this world, the theories of this world, the plans of this world, the possessions of this world, you're not saved. You got that? It isn't complicated. This isn't, ugh. This frustrates me because I had a conversation with a group of pastors on Thursday and all I could think was, what's wrong with you idiots? Don't you read your Bible? I don't understand that. That is not complicated. Well, we just ain't seen nobody saved. That's because there ain't nobody. Well, we need to reach Castle. I've been in this town for 22 years. Nothing's changed. Why? Look at the church. Look at Castle Rock. Tell me the difference. What are we offering? Nothing. We're offering, hey, we have a reason for you to get up early on Sunday. Well, we'll change that. We're going to have our worship on Saturday night. What would you just do? I don't care. To be a living sacrifice, holy and pure is your act of spiritual worship. When do you do that? Only when I breathe. But do you see what I'm trying to get at? This is what Christ has already done. This is not rocket science. I see people taking the name of the Savior, claiming to be all that He is, and they live in a system that is designed by Satan, and they honor that system. Okay, now listen, I've been, I'm not an Old Testament scholar by any stretch of the imagination, but every time Israel started following another God, it just got ugly fast. If you love the things of this place, you're not a Christian. 
you're not a Christian. Let me give you a quote from John Wesley. Once a wealthy Christian plantation owner invited John Wesley to his home. Okay, everybody know who John Wesley is? Okay. Um, The two rode their horses all day, seeing just a small part of what the man owned. At the end of the day, the plantation owner proudly asked, Well, Mr. Wesley, what do you think? And after a moment of silence, Wesley replied, I think you're going to have a hard time leaving all of this. The plantation owner was attracted to the world that he was in. Wesley was attracted to the world that he was going to. Think about what we do. Think about the decisions that we make, the actions that we do, the attitudes that we have that everybody else sees, and ask yourself a simple question. What is my primary focus? You cannot love the world and love God. Okay? Now, I can enjoy God's creation. Okay? But you'd better be very careful about it. See, I can, everything I see, I see God's work. I see God's abilities. I see God's planning. I see God's creativity. I see who God is, whether I am up in the mountains, whether I am walking by the beach, whether I'm fishing, whether I'm hunting, whatever I'm doing, I see what God has done. I see what God has done. And I'm very, very grateful for what he has done. Okay? Listen, I am not in awe of evolution. Not in awe of it. And it's like I said, I've heard a Christian say they thank God for natural selection. Listen, you just sang it. This is my father's world. But if you love the world, the love of the father is not in you. Okay, how important is that? Romans 5, 5 says, love of God has been poured where? In your hearts through the spirit. All that is in this world is not from the father. It's not from the father. You've got to under, all that this system is, all that this organization is, has a purpose. It has a purpose. And when I look at John, the second chapter, he's dealing with two different people, two different individuals. And he contrasts them. He contrasts them. He says that there are people who love God. And he says, and you know them, they live forever. He says, and there are people who love this world. And he says, you know them, they are destroyed. They are destroyed. See, think about this for a second. God has been in the delivering business for a while. Hasn't he? Have you ever thought about the Exodus? He took a people that had absolutely no ability whatsoever and did what? Delivered them. From where? A order, a system, an ideology. And he says, I am going to remove you. You're leaving. Okay? You're not in the process. And what was their biggest problem? I don't go back to Egypt. Why? When is Tar eating manna? Listen, who in this room is guilty of that? I'll tell you who's guilty of that. I'll give you some numbers that I got 
that are from 1997. Okay, this is a survey that was done in 1997. And it's based on income in the United States, people in the United States. Okay, and it was for every $100 earned in 1997. Okay. Now you got to remember, 1997, 76% claimed to be Christians. Okay, now, I know that's a lie. Okay, many are on the bright path and few find the narrow one. So I'm thinking, there ain't no way. All right, here's how it would break out. For every hundred dollars, now this is 97, this is the earliest numbers I could get, or latest numbers I could get. For every hundred dollars that we made, $26 is spent on our homes. $18.30 goes to food. $17 went to health care. $12 spent on transportation. $7.60 on recreation and amusement. $6.80 to buy clothes. To all charities, $2.30 out of every $100. What does that say in light of what you just read in verse 15? You know what it says to me? Heaven ain't crowded. Okay? Now I want to show you something here. Do not love the cosmos or the things of the cosmos. If anyone loves the cosmos, this system of order, the love of the Father is not in him. Okay? Then he goes on in verse 16. All right? Verse 16, he says, For all that is in this place, For all that is in this system. Then he describes it. Now look, you can look around today and say it seems at times to be very chaotic. Okay, but the truth of the matter is it is very, very, very focused. It has a plan. It has a purpose. Here is the system of organization that exists and where you live right now. One, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. It's not from the Father, but it's from this cosmos. Do you see the plan? How many people are consumed with what's going on in the world? How many people are consumed about your financial position? How many people are consumed about what you shall wear? Hmm? How many are consumed about... Cars, transportation. Well, you got to have... I, I'm asking you, how many are consumed? Okay. How many of us are consumed over our relatives, loved ones? How many of us are consumed over education? Activities? Ask yourself a question. And listen, don't think about your husband. Don't think about your wife or your kids or your neighbor or anything like that. This is for you, people. Why? What is important? Well, my 401k isn't doing this. The stock market isn't doing this. I should move out of the NASDAQ and maybe into... What would you just do? 
Go back to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Same kind of phrasing that he uses. Look what he says here. Therefore, if you have been what? Raised with Christ. And John, he says, you have died. Or in, in chapter 2 of Colossians, he says, you have died with Christ. Why? You, he implies that a Christian died and now there's a newness of life that is walking. You see it in Romans 6. Okay? If you've been raised up with Christ, what? Christ raised you up. In, right? God. What has God done for you? He raised you up in Christ. What is your responsibility? The what? Keep. Okay, in its aorist imperative, it can keep, continues on. It's a mandate, and it is a pattern of life that is seen. It goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. It doesn't stop. What does he say? Keep seeking things above. All right, he's not talking about the sky. He says, where Christ is seated, that's the right hand of God. Okay, now he's, you know, you just sit there and you think, all right, I'm going to be crazy. How are you going to do that? Look what he says next. Set your mind on the things above. Okay, now think about this. Man, this is so cool. Think about that for just a second. What do you dwell on? What occupies the bulk of your thinking processes? Okay, because this text says, if you have been raised up with Christ, what am I to do? Seeking above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Okay, you know what he's saying there? Where all authority is. Okay, regardless of what you see around here, go to where all authority is. Okay, but then he says, set your mind. This is your thinking process. This is the core of the being. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Why? You've died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God, or with God, with Christ in God. You got it? You're not important. Your desires are not important. Your affections are not important. Your attitudes, your plans are not important. I love you. But God says, you know what? My plans are important. My plans outweigh you. You don't understand. Before I even laid a foundation for the cosmos, I had bought you. You are not your own. You have been paid for with the price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And you are here for my glory. Period. It's non-negotiable. It's non-negotiable. Set my affections where? Where do I set my affections? You ever seen a couple in love? And they just get in love. That's, they start off. Okay, I heard it described this way. It's people fall in love and they think it's just uh, fireworks and rockets and bells and whistles. Okay, and when they're all sitting around holding hands going... That's what it is. It's all rockets and bells and whistles. After a while, you realize that it's this mundane dragging on thing that you're dying to self to serve the other one. At times, you know you're being neglected. And every once in a while, you'll see a rocket 
Oh, I'm still in love. And then you move on down the road a little far, and then all of a sudden you'll hear a bell. Ding, 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 celebration. And it just goes and goes and goes. Okay? Right? I got to ask you a question. How's your relationship with Jesus Christ? I shared in our Sunday school class that if most of us had a relationship with our wives like we had with Christ, would have been divorced eons ago. Eons ago. Let me share with you another biblical illustration of this. I was reading last night in Ezekiel. I love Ezekiel. Um, I have a gift of, of prophecy. Of a prophet, and um, I like to read the prophets. But I got to the text where God said, Son of man, that that is very dear that you love the most shall be taken from you. And you will not weep, you will not mourn, and you will not grieve, and you will not sorrow. And the Son of Man said, as soon as I spoke that word to the nation of Israel, my wife died. And God had commanded him, you will not weep, you will not grieve, you will not even shed one tear. And it will be an illustration to Israel and their relationship with me. I have walked away from them. If you read on, you'll find out that God left the temple. And they didn't even know it. And they had not even shed a tear. I wonder how many of us in this room right now are in that same boat. I wonder. What consumes me? The things on this earth are simply... What for this, this time, for this place, are given to glorify God? I just look at it and glorify God with it. That's all it is for. I, we, can enjoy them. But I got to even ask my question on that one. As I enjoy them, do I thank Him for them? Or do I thank the bank that financed my new car? Or I think that I've got such good credit, they gave me the financing for a new car. But you know what? You think about this stuff. I want you to, I I need to be real personal about this. The things that you dwell on, the things that you have affection for, the things that you have sort of an enamorment with, do they have any lasting value? Really? Do they have any lasting value? Charles Spurgeon spoke of this and he says, and I quote, they are temporal expressions of his common grace and his love, unquote. See, Christians, we don't love the world. Why? First of all, it's Satan's system. It's Satan's place. It's his plan. It's his order. We don't love it because what it does. What? It incites sin. Look what he says here. It is the lust of the 
flesh. It is the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life. Satan uses the world to what? Stir your flesh. Have you ever thought about it? The clothes that designers make are for what? They want to stir something, don't they? Why do we have jewelry? Just a question. Why do we have jewelry? We have cosmetics to make order of stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, and some need to use more. But anyway, um, and I'll even will take up a love offering. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, here, let me help. Okay, anyway. Um, well, you've seen some. I don't have enough paint in the world. But anyway. Um, <laughs> anyway, let's press on. Okay. Think about what we do. Think about the system that you're in. Okay. Material pleasures. How many of us are trying to stay away from conflict? We just want pleasure. Material pleasures. Okay, I remember growing up when a one-car garage was an amazing sight. Now you've got to have three-car garage and one for your motorhome. Okay, I remember when it was a big thing to have carpeted in your kitchen and bathrooms. Now we want solid wood floors. Why? What are they playing to? The flesh. Sexual pleasures. Listen, sex sells. I don't care what it is. I mean, it can. I, I've seen it for tools. I mean, a ratchet set, and she's standing there in a bikini. She didn't even know what that tool is. Okay, why? I'm gonna. I, we can sell a car with it. I can sell you grapefruits, kumquats, you name it. Why? Just go dress her up, scam me, and everybody. I want one of those. Okay, why do we buy perfume? Some people stink. <laughs> okay, but have you watched the advertisements for it? Okay, hey, listen, have you seen alcohol advertising for beer? Huh? And you have all these beautifully, scantily clad people. You listen, I've been in bars. They don't look like that. <laughs> About 2 o'clock in the morning they will. When they're getting ready to run you out. But I got news for you. Most people who sit around and drink beers do not have six-pack abs. They have Buddha bellies. They do. What are you selling on the commercial? If you drink, just drink responsibly. And what? All of your love will always be fulfilled. Well, basically, your love for yourself will be fulfilled. And if not, you get drunk enough and you won't know it. Educational rewards. That's big promoted right now. How about honors? Does our system honor? Let me ask you a question. How many of you here are mad at your boss, employer, wife, spouse, husband, whatever, because they don't ever honor me. They don't ever say thank you. They don't ever say, why should they? You know what? Every reward you'll get in the eternals, you'll receive a crown for. And you know what you get the privilege of doing? Giving them back to Jesus. 
And you know what? The only reward you're going to get when you stand before Christ is well done, true and faithful service. And you know what? I can't think of anything this world offers that's going to be greater than that. I don't care what it is. We want praises. We want power. Philosophies. And it's all in front of us. And it's all hitting us. It's hammering at us. It's just there and it's there and it's there and it's there and it's there. It enamors us. It draws to our senses. And you'll see a term in the Bible that says sensuality. You know what? And everybody says, well, that means that's having crop shirts and your belly button thing and all. No, it's your senses. The smell, the sight, the touch, the hear, the taste. It's your senses. What does this world do? What is the plan? What is the order of this world? Let me apply to your senses. That is your flesh. That is your flesh. Let me make it look good enough for you that you what? Look what your text says. It's lust of the flesh. Why? Because once my flesh starts going, that smells good or that tastes good or I think that's good. What's the next thing that happens? You view it with your eyes. Your eyes will start looking at it. Your eyes will start saying, well, I'm into that thing. Let's get at Woohoo! Yeah. Why? Because it started with my senses. You know what comes after that? Boastful pride of life. Okay, now let me show you something. If you hear this text right now, and you bow before this text right now, you will never, ever, ever need any biblical counseling. Ever again. Right here is as simple as it gets. Okay, it's easy to stand. Well, I just ain't going to love the world or things of the world. Okay, let me show you something here. There is an ascending category to the temptation. Okay, has it start? Sensuality, my flesh. Okay, it is. Let me show you how this lays out. Sensuality is the corruption of what I call our lower being. Okay, it is the sin of our lower being. It is the abuse of. Of our body, lust of the flesh, sensuality. It is the sin of my senses. Okay, that's where it starts. When I abuse that, I go to step two. Okay, that is what I call, I call it covetousness. Okay, because that's covetousness will start through the eyes. All right. Covetous is the corruption of my higher being. Okay? That, uh, the sin of my higher being. It is an abuse of beauty that turns to coveting. Okay? The beauty is there. If I abuse that beauty, it is now coveting. Okay? And then it is the corruption of the highest being. The sin of the highest being. It is self-exaltation. We become God. And that's how it works. Right there. How simple is that? And we go through these gyrations. Well, I think it was my great-great-grandfather was a moonshiner. And therefore I am... And 
You know, I was sexually abused. I was a dysfunctional family. It was a suicidal pressure. No! It starts with your senses, your flesh. When you abuse that, that you, you're abusing what God intended the body to be used for. You abused it. Next will come coveting. I will now abuse the beauty that God intended it to be for. And by doing those first two steps, you have just said, I have exalted myself to a place of God. I have become God. Okay? And then it's all about me. Why? Do you see how simple that is? That is not a complicated text. And yet, watch what happens with us. He says, do not love the world. Why? It will give you lust of the flesh. It will give you lust of the eyes. And it will give you the boastful pride of life. That is its plan. That is its order. That's how it accomplishes its specific desires. The world... It entices us. It panders to that. Think about it. Name something in the world that doesn't. I mean, uh, when I was in Russia, I was in Moscow. Everybody wants, tries to dress sexy. I don't know how you have piles of snow and dress sexy. I mean, wool and parkas only go so far. But I seen people walking on sidewalks that were snow covered with heels on boots about like that stilettos, big thigh high boots and walking on. I thought, oh, my God, if she steps into a grate, she's doomed. And I thought, what are you trying to do with that besides cripple yourself? Okay, but people have it in their mind that this is beautiful. Now that same woman had bright, bright, bronco orange hair. And I'm sitting there going, I think I'm seeing things in Moscow. But anyway, but why do they do that? Why do they do that? Sensuality, let me appeal to the senses, then my eyes will cause me to covet it and I will desire it and I will abuse what is beauty. Listen, God created every person, male and female, beautiful in their own way. They're all beautiful. What do we do with it? We abuse it. We abuse it. And what happens out of that? We are exalting ourselves. I have become what? I have become the ruler of my own destiny. Listen, the world, that's all it does. Please understand it. The world, everything you deal with is right there in those three. And we don't love it. Why? Because it is the world. Because of what it is and because of what it does. Why? It panders to our fallenness. It panders to our flesh. We don't love it because of where it's going. All right. First of all, it's Satan's. Second of all, what it does, it causes us to sin. It wants us to sin. And thirdly, where it goes. And I want to just deal with this real quickly. Verse 17. 
The world is passing away. Disorder is passing away. Guess what else is? So is its lust. You know what's nice about that? It's a guarantee. It's a guarantee. The word passing away there that you see, in the original language it means it's in the process of disintegration. It's in the process of disintegration. I see people wanting to work. Well, we've, everything's just going terrible. We've got to redeem it. We've got, it's, it's supposed to. The ruler of this world is destroying it. He wants to. Why? That's his goal. The system is in the process of disillusion, dissolving itself. It is self-destructive. It will. It is. It's kind of funny. It is de-evolving. It's getting worse. It's falling apart. It is death. This world has a fatal disease of sin. And it's fatal 100% of the time. And everything here, I mean, Paul, even in the book of Romans says, all of creation groans for the redemptions of the sons of men. Why? Because this place is killing me. I hear this a lot. We need to reclaim America. We need to reclaim Castle Rock. We need to reclaim this. It's getting worse and it's going to. It will continue. Why? It's sin. It's supposed to. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 31. Remember this text. That from the that the this form of this world is what? It's passing away. The order of this world, this eon, this age, this system, this ideology. Guess what? It's passing away. But look what you've been delivered to. This world is passing away in its lust. But the one who does... Now, wait a minute. What does it say? Okay, i got to ask you a question. Anybody here, what is the will of God? I just don't know what the will of God is. You know what the will of God is? Do not love this world, nor the things of this world, or the love of God is not in them. Why? And he who does the will of God, what happens? Lives forever. Lives forever. He who abides lives forever. What's the will of God? Don't love this world. Ask yourself a question. Why do we have to have the best and the newest and the prettiest and the brightest and the smartest and the largest and the smallest sometimes? You know what? You can buy a computer right now and be the top of the line and by six months you're obsolete. So why wouldn't I wait six months and buy it at 60% original retail? 6% off. And I went and looked at my computer. My computer I bought was two years old. I've been on the market two years, and I had some upgrades done on all the rest of it. I can buy my same computer with a few more upgrades that I didn't have for about $400. Actually, $399. Okay? I think I spent $1,500. But it originally sold for about four grand. So I still felt like I was getting a deal. But if I'd have held out a little longer, guess what? 
Stephanie went and had a computer. <laughs> and there's times she'd have been happy that she didn't. But anyway, do you see what I'm trying to get at? Just go down the line. Why a car? Why a car? Well, it has a warranty. You can buy a warranty. You can buy a warranty. I don't, do you see what I'm trying to get at? And I'm not against buying a new car or a new computer. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, why do we put our affections, our minds, our thinkings so absorbed in the... And you know what? And I am tired of people saying, well, Terry, you got to be in reality. You know, the real world's out there, Terry, really. I'm working three jobs. How are you doing? Okay, everybody in this country is making more money and getting increases in pay, and I took a third cut in pay. How are you doing? Okay, I mean, I'd have been better off laid off, but I don't know how you... Who, God going to give you a pink slip? I think that's what they call absent from the body, present with the Lord. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> do you see what I'm trying to get at? How, how much energy do I put into the things that will not last? Versus the things that are only eternal. Because you know what? The things of this world are de-evolving. Where are my affections? Where are my affections? Where are they set? The things that I dwell on. The things that I... What things overwhelm you? Where are they? Do you see what I'm saying here? What has he done? You've been delivered from the world, the system. You've been delivered from the ideology. You've been delivered from all of its plans, its purposes. You've been, del- de- been delivered from its order. Guess what? Quit loving him. Quit loving him. Quit dwelling on him. See? I've got an underline here in my notes. That's how you can tell a Christian. I want to close with this. I heard a, at one time some leadership that I remember. And their comment to me was this. <clears throat> Terry, we can't <clears throat> we can't set aside our lives, our families, our kids, and our jobs for Christ at every point. Because you have to balance it. I said, no, you're wrong. My Bible says, if you're not willing to forsake your mother, your father, your brothers, your sister, you're not worthy of me. Basically what he said, if you're not willing to forsake this world, you're not worthy of me. With Solomon arrayed in splendor, and the lilies of the field are dressed more beautiful than Solomon ever would, and they are here but for the pleasure of the Lord, and then burned. Are you not more important? Now I'm going to ask you a question. 
you believe that? Because all you have to do is go look in your mirror. And when you look in your mirror, ask what is seen. Things of the world or Jesus Christ? Because Christians are being transformed from glory to glory with unveiled face. They now see and behold Christ in a mirror. Grab that. In a mirror, they see him. They see him. You look in that mirror and you see the world. It's ideologies, it's exaltations, it's plans, it's theologies, it's theories, it's honors. You see that. What are you not seeing? And if you remain in that position, the love of the Father does not dwell you. And you're not saved. It's that simple. Okay? Let's pray. Father, we praise you. I praise you for your word. I praise you that my brother John was so forthright, so simple. For I just pray that we will evaluate ourselves. Father, there's a lot of stuff on the horizon for us. Amazing stuff happening in Russia. Father, amazing stuff happening in our community. Father, there may even be amazing stuff happening in individuals' homes. And yet, Father, things of this world should have no, no desire for us. Father, convict us where we fall short. Strengthen us for the war that is at hand. Father, if there's any here today, the things of the world are more important. Father, may today be the day of their salvation. Father, may today be the day that they surrender and enter in to the kingdom of heaven. And that, Father, they are delivered from the lie to truth, sin to righteousness, the temporal to the eternals. For your glory, in Christ's name, amen.